good morning, church. It's great to see all of you here. Welcome. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here, friends. No matter if you're here, here, live stream here, podcast here, wherever you are in space and time, may this be salt and light as we are in our first Sunday of Advent. And I like on the back of our bulletin about three quarters of the way down, it says, on each of our Advent Sundays, we are invited to sink deeply into our spiritual lives with a time of devotion and contemplation, knowing that God meets us exactly where we are, busy and lonely, joyful and grieving, comfortable and hurried, peaceful and anxious. So no matter which of those you are, or even unnamed, you are right where you need to be. 90% of anything is showing up. You made it. You're here. Let's take a deep breath in and out. Oh, wow. Kind of needed that. Let's do it again, this time with a sigh. In and out with a sigh. Ah. Our first prayer together, a prayer of God's Spirit moving among us. As Genesis says, ruach, which is a fun word to say, a word that makes us raise a sign of peace one to another and say, hey neighbor, glad you're here. Peace be with you. And now would you please rise and join me in the call to worship. Behind the corridors of space, before the world began, beyond all understanding, God, Gloria, fathering time, mothering creation, parenting all people, God, Gloria, waiting for the right moment and preparing the way, asking the right woman, God, Gloria, we believe in one God, maker and mover of heaven and earth, in whom we move and have our being. In the light of our morning, we direct this worship.
Please be seated. Lighting a candle in the darkness helps us find our way. In darkness, we lose direction. We cannot see where we've been or where we are going. A single candle flickering brightly helps us find our way again. Stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Brightly, so that all may know how one candle shows the way, making our darkness bright as God's day. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Dear God, on this first Sunday in Advent, let this light shine brightly as the days grow shorter so So that that we will will be ready for your face to shine upon us at Christmas. In the Savior's name we pray. Amen.
Our first scripture lesson this morning comes to us from the 64th chapter of Isaiah, the first nine verses. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence, as when fire kindles brushwood and the fire causes water to boil, to make your name known to your adversaries, so that the nations might tremble at your presence. When you did awesome deeds that we did not expect, you came down, the mountains quaked at your presence. From ages past, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who works for those who wait for him. You meet those who gladly do right, those who remember you in your ways. But you were angry and we sinned. Because you hid yourself, we transgressed. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a filthy cloth. We all fade like a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind take us away. There is no one who calls on your name or attempts to take hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have delivered us into the hand of our iniquity. Yet, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be exceedingly angry, O Lord, and do not remember iniquity forever. Now consider we are all your people. And from the 13th chapter of the Gospel of Mark, But about that day or hour no one knows, neither the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. Beware, keep alert, for you do not know when the time will come. It is like a man going on a journey, when he leaves home and puts his slaves in charge, each with his work, and commands the doorkeeper to be on the watch. Therefore, keep awake, for you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or at cockcrow, or at dawn, or else he may find you asleep when he comes suddenly. And what I say to you, I say to all, keep awake. I invite all the children to join me up front. Good morning. It's so nice to see all of you. So, how many of you have had to wait for something? Hello, Chase. How are you, honey? Good. Have you had to wait for something? Is it hard to wait? What are some things you've had to wait for, Max? 
You're waiting so long for your mama to play? Oh, I know. Mommies have lots of work to do sometimes, and we've got to wait a little bit, huh? That's... Wait to see your family? I know, that's hard when we're getting to see some family we haven't seen for a while. It's hard to wait. Rosie. Summer. Yeah, I hear you. Summer. <laughs> it's hard to wait for what? Oh, yes, for the rain to stop and come out for summer. Yes, that takes a while. Liv. Christmas. Oh, my gosh, it's so hard to wait for Christmas Day. Yes. School day to end? Yeah. I know. I know. It's so hard to wait for Santa to bring those presents. Addie, when is your birthday? Oh, my gosh, that's so hard to wait for. I have preschoolers who have a birthday in September, and then they're like, my birthday's coming up. And I'm like, we have a whole year. Your birthday's December? Oh, wow. Milo. Yours is December, too? Oh, nice. The night before your birthday. Yeah, so it is hard to wait. We have to wait a lot, a lot in our lives, right? We have to wait for special things to happen. I know. I know. We have to wait so long, and it's so hard to wait. And we have more waiting to do. Do you guys know what church season we're in now? What church season we're in? where Christmas is really special. That's right. It's called Advent. We are in the season of Advent. It's so hard to wait for I know. It's so hard to wait. I know. It is the season of Advent. And Advent means somebody, the, the arrival of somebody important. Who do you think that important person is? Addison. Jesus. If you look over there in our nativity scene over there, we, I took my preschoolers over the other day, and they're like, wait, somebody's missing. And I said, who's missing? Who do you think's missing over there? Jesus. Baby Jesus, that's right. So why is baby Jesus not there yet? Because he hasn't been born yet, right? It's not Christmas yet. So we're waiting for the arrival of baby Jesus, but we're also awaiting for the arrival when Jesus comes back again. We're right, he told us in the scripture today that he will come back someday. We don't know when. We don't know when. It's going to be a surprise. Do you like surprises? Yeah, that's going to be a really cool surprise. So that's what Advent means. We're, all, we're waiting for baby Jesus, but we are also waiting for the arrival of when Jesus comes back to earth to see all of us, which will be very, very cool. All right? And it'll be the best surprise ever. Ever. My mommy died. Oh, yeah. I know, honey. Yeah. Not mine. Yeah. My mommy. Your mommy's mommy. Yeah. Your grandma. Yeah. All right? So we're going to go downstairs and talk a little bit more about Advent and what that means and waiting patiently. Yes. All right, and then we're going to say a prayer. I know. So mine, hon. So did mine. All right, so let's say a prayer, and then we're going to go downstairs. Are you ready? <coughs> Dear God, we thank you for this season of Advent. Help us to be patient as we wait for baby Jesus and as we wait for Jesus to come to earth again. Help us to continue to love and serve people. In your name we pray. 
Amen. Now let's say the prayer that Jesus taught all of us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good job. All right, let's go downstairs. <coughs> We gather now our joys and our concerns. We wish a happy birthday this week to Lois Tampson, to Maureen Walker, to Milo Armbrust, and Michael Sparrow, and Sue Panchak, and Sophia Kurgen, Ruth Dunn, and Juliana Morgan. We almost didn't have any anniversaries, but we actually have a new one. Alex and Cassidy Cologne were married yesterday here. So now we have an anniversary for this week. Congratulations to them. Our concerns this week include a lot of people who are feeling under the weather, and I'm hearing the sniffles and the coughs, so I pray for everyone who is trying to feel better right now, everyone who is struggling with coughing and sneezing and breathing. Um, it is not fun. We pray for Carol Fawcett, who's in the hospital with RSV, for Carrie Lichtenberg with pneumonia. We pray for Sandy Baylor, who has a broken arm um, after taking a fall here at the church last week. So pray for Sandy. We pray for Kent Doherty, who has a torn meniscus that will need surgery. We pray for the Villa Monomich family, who this last week lost Anka, a grandmother, Pamela, an aunt, and Marco, a godfather. We lift up prayers for the immigrants at our borders and for the people of Congo and for people in Gaza and in Palestine and in Israel and everywhere that there is injustice instead of peace. These are the joys and the concerns that I brought to share. Are there any that you would like to lift up at this time? Anne shares that her brother is doing well. He has a new medication. We've lifted him up several times for mental health issues, and thank God for medication that works. Amen. All right. Seeing no other hands, then will you join your heart with mine and pray with me? Holy One, I am with Isaiah today in spirit. God, I wish that you would tear open the heavens and come down and tell all of your people to stop their violence and war and hatred. God, I wish that the ones who seek to do harm this day would feel and tremble at your presence and that they would do better. But God, we do not know the day or the hour. And so here we are waiting in Advent, waiting for new light to break forth, for new hope to spring up, for joy to find us in the midst of this waiting that we do. 
God, we pray today for healing for all who need it, for comfort for those who mourn. God, we pray for the warm fire of the Holy Spirit to come and thaw our frozen hearts, to burn up our selfishness, so that all may dwell on this earth in peace. Reshape our world this Christmas, God. Let us wake and follow you in the way that was taught to us by your Son, our Emmanuel, God with us, now and always. Amen. So after my last sermon last Sunday, Tom Avalon told me, hey, it's the engineer talking here, but you messed up the equation in your sermon. You said mass times velocity equals force, and it's mass times acceleration equals force. F equals MA. I strive for accuracy. <laughs> All apologies. This is welcome feedback. Thank you, Tom. It's good stuff. We, uh, I'm human after all. I, I try to get most things across to you accurately. Uh, but when I mess up, hey, we get to practice grace and forgiveness and reconciliation. That's the whole point of this thing anyway that we do called church, right? That's the whole. So you're welcome. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, church. Yet today, Jesus gives us some unwelcome news. The whole kingdom thing that they're hoping for in the scriptures, they were asked, hey, when is this thing going to come about? When is the fullness of all this happening? This whole kingdom thing that every follower of Christ has been yearning for for some 2,000 years, when is it going to be done? And Jesus says, I don't know. About that day or hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, only the Father. This hasn't stopped people from trying, though, throughout our history. Uh, Skip Sipas, head of Medina Metro Housing, he has this organization, or given up the building, that he built back in 1996, so it can become the emergency shelter here in Medina County. We have multiple shelters for animals here in Medina, but none for humans. So this human shelter will hope to be open in January of 2025. And Skip wanted to use a really cool name. He thought Turning Point would be a great name for it. People come to us, and they, this is a turning point. There's before they came here, and then after, where they're hooked up to job and family services, or mental health services, or housing vouchers, or whatever they may need. It's very exciting. Turning Point would be a great name. And he's not wrong. It is a great name. Just one problem. Already trademarked by like a million different organizations. Including one of those organizations is a religious one, and it is the ministry of David Jeremiah. For those of us who don't know David Jeremiah, good. His latest book is How to Get Rapture Ready. Oh boy, my favorite. End time stuff. I hate it. I hate it with the passion of a thousand sons. I know you shouldn't preach hate from the pulpit. I apologize. I am human after all. But this is part of the theology we learned back in October, our no more tears thing. It's a whole section of theology called eschatology. It's a fancy $3 theological word for end times things. When the eschaton, the final fulfillment of the kingdom, 
when that comes, what's going to be the context? How are we going to do church? What is that going to do? What's it going to be like? There's a lot of strains that I appreciate, and there's a lot of strains I struggle to learn from. And one of those strains was come up by John Nelson Darby in the mid-1800s, probably around when our brick church was still standing and we were about to build this church, is when the idea of the rapture came into being. It was not original to the faith, and it is not a large component of the faith up until the mid-1800s. John Nelson Darby came up with the idea called pre-tribulation eschatology, which states that Jesus will suddenly remove his bride, the church, from the world to heaven before the final judgment and the hammer is dropped on all the heathens. David Jeremiah is an ancestor to that theology. Darby had to cut and paste all sorts of Bible verses from the prophets, verses like we heard read today. Thank you, Deb, for that lines from the epistles and from the book of Revelation, which no one understands, to come up with this idea. In fact, when I first started my ministry in Toledo, a church put up huge billboards announcing that the end of the world was going to happen on May 21st, 2011. Okay. No one knows the hour, Jesus says. But that didn't stop that guy from spending thousands of dollars on billboards. Ironically, it was May 21st, 2011. It was the day that my first senior pastor, the Reverend Dr. Bill Chittister, died. So the guy wasn't all wrong, just wrong in the way he wanted to be right, if that makes any amount of sense. That was a fun sentence to say. Here I was spending my first few months as a pastor wondering when my mentor and boss was going to die. It turns out the signs were there all over town. If you haven't guessed it, I'm, I am just not a rapture guy. I hold that theology with a lot of scorn. I know it's bad to be judgy, but G-zip, guys! G-zip! For 2,000 years, people have popped up to say, I know the day and the hour like they are better than Jesus. 2,000 years of thinking the world is going to end, and every single person has been wrong up until this moment. For me, I have a very small eschatology or view of the end times. The kingdom comes when two or three are gathered in Christ's name. That's it. The kingdom arrived unseen in a backwater town to an unwed couple and was laying in a manger. The kingdom arrived on Easter Sunday unexpected. The kingdom arrived today, hidden from the headlines in common people all over town in humble means. Hospital visits, bread delivered, at meals where stories of our lives are poured out and strangers are made into friends and friends into family. That is the true mystery of faith. No one knows how that happened. There's no system to guarantee those results. It just kind of takes us by surprise. And we don't know the hour. The kingdom comes in times anytime you are fully present to the moment and fully present to your neighbor. Like that time you thought it was the gardener turned about to be Christ. Like that time that guy was harassing you from the shore about your fishing excursion turned out to be Jesus. You get the picture. 
So when Tom came up and said, hey, you got something wrong, I was fully brought into that moment. Yes, tell me, what did I, what, what's up? F equals MA. Oh, yeah. Yeah, thanks. Fully present, fully in the moment. I was present right there with Tom. I was bonded even more to him. Anybody who comes up to me and says, hey, pastor, you got this wrong, and makes me better is welcome news. So thank you all for your feedback. And if you haven't met Tom yet, he's scary smart. I'm thankful to know him and his family. Thank you for being church with us. I think many of us were present to one another during the hanging of the greens. We're at coffee hour, and I hear we have a doozy of a coffee hour lined up today, Darlene reports. So I hope you came hungry. Maybe you're present at the passing of the peace where we look around and we throw up peace to one another. Just nothing better than that little bits of the kingdom sprinkled throughout our day. Yet, as to the next moment when you all are fully present, I, didn't, I don't know the hour. I don't think anyone knows the hour. Maybe God. I wouldn't even hazard a guess. If I said, like, yeah, 11.45, would you follow me? I don't understand these massive ministries who act like they know more than Jesus. I fail to see the appeal. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm missing something, Pam, Harry. I don't know. You guys don't seem like rapture theology either. I don't know. It almost feels like those predictions are an armor of sorts an armor to keep us from being present to all that we need to be present for. An armor to guard us from our neighbor because they could be wrong and they could have some questionable theology. God is here with us. The kingdom has come near. That's the good news. God's plan has been made known to us. Love God with everything you have. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's God's plan. Start to finish. That's it. And when everyone does that, when everyone loves the neighbor as yourself and this life with everything you got, then the kingdom will be here in its fullness. We do need to get prepared for that, but we don't need to get prepared to get vacuumed up into the sky. Our job is to get heaven here now. Last Sunday and on Monday at Kerry Park's memorial service and celebration of life, I mentioned that I don't believe cancer is God's plan. I don't think we're fated like that. Giving someone cancer would be a sin, and there can be no sin in God's plan, as there is no sin in God. And I'm not saying that folks cannot get closer to God through cancer or any form of ailment or travesty, and they sure can. The Apostle Paul did. So he wrote a lot of his epistles when he was imprisoned and awaiting execution. That very same Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verses 28, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love God, who have been called according to God's purposes. So things like death and natural disaster and health diagnoses, I can't see as part of God's plan. I think that's solid theology. Everything has free will in my book, ourselves included. We've been gifted with this life. God wants us to live it. And that means sometimes some folks will choose to drive drunk and accidents will happen. Sometimes people choose to text and drive 
and people get hit and accidents can happen. Sometimes, I would assume, this is getting theoretical, but sometimes cells choose to be immortal. And we have a diagnosis for when that happens. It's called cancer. Immortal cells are called cancer cells. Sometimes bad things happen. There's a, that's the whole thesis of a required reading book, at least in my book, Rabbi Harold Kushner's When Bad Things Happen to Good People. It's not why bad things happen. It's not if bad things happen to good people. It's when. It's when. I don't know about you, but I need a faith for the when. I need a faith that can bear hard times. A faith that is active in the world, that believes there is good in the world, despite all that I see, all the headlines. If it bleeds, it leads. Maybe I shouldn't look there for good news. Instead, I can look closer to home. In you, in our life together, we are called to be the good in the world, to be church actively in the here and now. There's no waiting for this aside for your next opportunity. And you may mess it up. And you might need a Tom Avalon to come to you and be like, well, here's another way. And that person that you think is coming at you might just be the one that helps get you closer to the kingdom. I don't know the day and the hour. The kingdom is actually all around me in small ways and common people and yes, even folks with some wacky beliefs including those of us who might share a rapture theology. You might be the one to help me see things. When I'm struck by someone texting and driving out there on the square, it might be the guy with the billboard that gets me rather irate that stoops down and helps me and I hope I would do the same for him. When that happens, we will truly know the meaning of the parable of the Good Samaritan. For when Jesus finishes it, he asks, And who was the neighbor? And the lawyer answered, The one who showed mercy. And Jesus then said, Go and do likewise. Don't wait. Go and do likewise. I think the lesson would be to go from here and give help to those who despise you as well as receive help from those you despise. We can do both because our God is a both-and kind of God. It might hurt to be helpful and present to those who want to condemn you. Good boundaries are always appropriate. But we can try to learn with those and from those whom we have nothing in common other than being alive around generally the same time and sharing English as our common tongue. And when we get to that level, when we love our enemy and pray for those who harm us, then the kingdom will be here in its fullness. When will that happen? I can't even predict that for myself. What business do I have predicting it for anybody else? Only God knows. I do know that whenever that will happen, then we will truly understand Christmas. And we will see all as God's people. Thanks be to God. Amen.
Every week we get to have the message for the whole family of God where Stacy does her dance on the knife edge of chaos, showing her skill and her giftedness as the Pied Piper of all children. And I love this little guy right here. I don't like waiting. I don't like waiting for Christmas. I don't like waiting for my mom to play with me. I don't like waiting for Mother's Day. I don't like waiting. Waiting is awful. Not wrong. I, that's, that kid I felt a kinship to. Because there's this line from Ecclesiastes that says, the end is better than the beginning. The end of a thing is better than the beginning. Anybody can start something. I have at least 10 different projects in my basement at this moment. And maybe one day I'll complete them. But I'm always looking for the end of something. If I show up for a dinner, I'll be like, cool, I'm ready to be done. Maybe it's impatience. Maybe it's anxiety of what's going to happen. I may say the wrong thing. I might be inaccurate. But as I've slowly gotten a little more mature, I'm really savoring the in-between. Time with you. You might be waiting to get to the grocery store or to brunch or your next thing, whatever it may be. And it'll be a blessing when that time comes. But we're here and now with one another. And I look out on you and I'm getting a little verklempt here. So I see faces I love and faces I get to get to know. That's pretty cool. God has gifted us with each other and all the cool things we get to experience in this life. Like bread and wine and one another. So maybe just savor it a little bit. Commune. Be present in the simple things. As the ushers come around, I know them. Get to experience them. Mr. Christie used to be a social studies teacher. He's got an uncanny knack for knowing a tidbit about almost any president and sometimes even their number. Oh, Lincoln, that's 16. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, got it. Or Darlene is just gifted hostess and just funny. Julie, have you met Julie? Julie is a gift. John is struggle with our boilers and is just a patient man. I would be down there kicking the thing. Work! And John's like, let's see. We got things to take out. There are so many gifts here among us. Discover them. Don't just wait to the end. Linger a little bit. That's when the good stuff happens. And if someone tells you a story and you feel multiple ways about it, that's probably Jesus. Because the dude was always telling parables and we're like, what did, what did he mean by that? Including his final parable where he took the bread and he blessed it and broke it and offered his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. I'm sure the disciples were like, is that me? And likewise, he took the cup, and poured it, and he blessed it, saying, This is my life poured out, the cup of my blood. It has been shed for you and for all, for the forgiveness of sin. When you do this, do so in remembrance of me.
And so we pray. God, Lord of hosts, Jesus, our host at this, your table, send your Holy Spirit among us to savor these simple gifts of this gluten-free bread, of this juice, one loaf so all may partake, one cup so all may taste and see you are good. May we savor this moment. May we look around and take it all in. May we not let this pass gently from us. May we carpe this diem in every moment you gift us with. In the name of you, our God, our Christ, our Spirit, one God forever and ever, we pray. Amen. Friends, there is no wrong way to do this, but there is a tradition here. Our ushers will come forward. They'll take the bread. They'll distribute it among us. Hold on to that bread. We will take it together. And the same will go with the cup. And if you take it before, it's no big deal. Worse things can happen. Will the ushers please come forward? Let us pray. Holy One, thank you for this time carved out these signs and symbols of your love for us all. May we be your promise, your hands and feet to the world as best we are gifted in an unexpected ways. Each of us as Christ to one another. Then your kingdom will come and your table will be complete. In your holy names we pray. Amen. There is so much we don't know. We walk by faith, not by sight. We offer our gifts as we have been gifted, the building of the kingdom for the arrival of God's promised one. Gracious mystery, you know the appointed time. May what we offer hasten it. Through our giving, may folks be given daily bread and find you waiting in love. In Jesus' name.
Friends, our caring team invites you to coffee hour, which if you could walk straight through these walls, you'd be a ghost and you would get right to coffee hour. It'd be awesome. But instead, you'll have to take a couple turns. Uh, men's breakfast is this Tuesday. It is 8 a.m. 8 a.m. at Bueller's River Sticks. You are invited there. And tonight, Advent Family Fun Night at 4.30. If you are hearing my voice, you are invited. You also have all of Advent right here. You can hang up on your refrigerator and be like, wow, how thoughtful of the church. May you be blessed to be a blessing, for you do not know when the kingdom will be glimpsed next. So be present to one another, to the stranger within our gate, to all the good that you don't even know you are doing. You are as Christ, as you are gifted. Be Christ to the world. It is more than enough. Amen. God be.